This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more specific? On ABC Radio Australia. Welcome to this week's episode of Can You Be More Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific, I'm Dean Hallettow and I'm joined, as always, by my favourite radio, radio <laughs> personality, Sarah Nangama. Sarah, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Dean, never a chore. That's, I love that phrase. Always a pleasure, never a chore. How's your week been? No it's chores? Been, no chores. Oh, actually, a couple of chores, but, you know, that's, that's just life. But something really cool I did this week is I bought a skateboard. You bought a skateboard? Yeah, I bought a skateboard. Nice. I love skateboarding. I, um... I just, I'm a bit tired of walking. Yeah. Um, and so I just thought, let's get a little bit more creative in lockdown and glide through it. Yeah. Where literally. Do you, where do you just, you just roll around the streets on the skateboard? Yeah. I, I, I'm very intentional about where I ride. I'm always looking for a flat track and I only ride downhill. And when I have to walk, if it's, if I see something where I've, it's, you know, got an incline, I just pick up the board and walk it. Cause yeah, yeah. like who the heck wants to push up a hill? Not me. There's always a, <laughs> you always got to go back up if you go down somewhere. So. Exactly. But I'm having a lot of fun. I'm really good. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I bought a skateboard for work because we're at, at work at the NRL. Yeah. We have to park down at Entertainment Quarter. It's about 700 metres walk yeah. to the office. So I bought a skateboard to commute from the fun. car park to work, um, which was fun until I hit a few stones <laughs> one day and come off in front of a group of people. Oh, that's I hit good. the ground pretty hard, but um, I rolled and jumped up and just, yeah. So but you know what? It's, it's it not about how many times... You get knocked down. It's about how many times you get back up again. And That's you know, you holler, you're just a fighter, man. You're a fighter. <laughs> I haven't brought it out for a while. I love skateboarding, but it is a great sport. It's a part of the Olympics now. Yeah, it's yeah. great. We've gone off on a tangent, but yeah. how's your week been? My week's been good. Um, enjoyed the weekend of, of footy. The Olympics wrapped up, so that was a little bit sad. Yeah, it's very sad. I almost didn't want to watch the closing ceremony because it meant that it was over. And yep. it's been a really enjoyable few weeks watching it. Um, but other than that, it's been really good. What have we got coming up on the show today? Well, we've got a huge show today. We're taking a look back at the weekend in sport. We have a sensational interview with Giants netball, Christiana Manua, and we have a new question for our favourite segment. You can ask that. Love that segment. Uh, let's get through the sport from the weekend. Um, but oh, wait, um, hang on. Before you go there, you've skipped a part. Yeah, I did. Top story of the week. Yeah, the top story of the week is netball. Oh, sensational. So there was an announcement that Nepal are committing to seeing themselves in the 2032 Brisbane Olympics, which is insane. It'll be great. Obviously, uh, huge news that came out a few weeks ago about Brisbane hosting the 2032 Games. It's going to be really exciting here in Australia, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that will want to get up there, including Nepal, wanting to be there as a sport, which will be awesome. I think there's something like 20 million participants in netball worldwide. So, Sounds about right. Um, you know, that's, that's huge to be able to get a sport with that much international participation at an international event like the Olympics would be huge. For that to be another sport that, um, you know, females and males alike could get involved in is huge. And then it just makes me think maybe there's a possibility that rugby 15s could be included and then I could be an Olympian one day. I mean, my time, I probably, I probably would have hung up the boots by then. But how cool would that be? There's three sports to try for 2032. Okay, like I'm really big noting myself today, so let's just keep <laughs> moving with the show. <laughs> well, in the NRL, our favourite matches from the weekend were on Saturday. It started with the Warriors 18 to 16 what over the game. Sharks. Big game there from the Warriors. Uh, who was a standout for you in that game? 
I thought Reese Walsh was absolutely incredible. He's such a young star in the side. He's made headlines, um, you know, ever since the beginning of the competition just because of his flair on the field and he stood up to the, the task and he stood out. Yeah, I think he picked up two points in the ABC Grandstand Player of the Year. So well done, Reese Walsh. He was... Uh had his hand in everything. Every time he touched the ball, he did look dangerous. Uh, I thought that uh, Josh Curran played really well for the Warriors. Yep. He picked up the three. Um, but they, the, the Sharks are playing for a place in the top eight, and they really have to be desperate, playing good footy if they're really going to be um, some sort of hope of progressing through the finals. And they didn't play well at all. An opportunity to kick a, a penalty goal late in the game, six minutes to go. They, they should have kicked a penalty goal, which would have drawn them the level, but they opted to try and go for a try, and it didn't pay off. So it was a, a disappointing result for them. But the Warriors, two in a row, and particularly after they uh, lost their skipper and Roger Tuivasa-Shek a few weeks ago. Yeah, crazy. And there were some issues on the field, Will Chambers and Kane Evans, that erupted so ugly and has made the headlines for all the wrong reasons. But I have to ask, Will Chambers, like, what's doing? He is he's, He seems so irritating on the field. Yeah, he, he's always been that way. There's always characters in the game that, that have been... Uh, pests, serial pests. I played with one who was the biggest, Michael Ennis. He was a, a serial. Really? Yeah. I would have never picked that. I played with Michael Ennis uh, for three, uh, four years at the Bulldogs, and, and he is one of the all-time pests. But it, as a teammate, it's always fun to see him do that to other, other teams. Not on the uh, receiving end? Not on the receiving end. Will Chambers, I think, is the same. But um, I think on, on the weekend, there has been talk that he crossed the line with Kane Evans and what he said to him. I don't know what it was said, but um, Kane took exception to it and Laid a couple of um, pretty missed or, hits, pretty ordinary punches in his direction. I was like, I wonder, I wonder if he actually intended to hit him where he did, because maybe if he thought, if I hit him on his face, I'm definitely going to get in trouble. Yeah, strategic punches, so we say. Anyway, another results <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, the Panthers defeated the Roosters twenty points to fourteen. Another much anticipated game, but um, the Panthers minus a few stars did a good job. Absolutely. I thought that Matt Burden was outstanding for them. He is just so creative when he has the ball in hands. You don't think that he'll do much, and then he just puts his head down and he breaks through lines. Yeah, and breaks ankles, apparently. Um, yes, James that video Tedesco, is pretty red hot. James Tedesco, who's one of the, the best players in the game and one of the best fullbacks in the game. Uh, Matt Burton put a nice little left foot step on him twice, and uh, yeah, Teddy, unfortunately... Ended off second best. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Sorry, Teddy. Uh, and another match that was big that night was the Melbourne Storm versus the, the running hot Manly Seagulls. The Melbourne Storm won 28 to 18. Yes, there were tries from Kenny Bromwich, Justin Olam, and Cam Munster. Again, Justin Olam, every time he gets the ball in his hands, you just know that he's going to break over the line, and he did that yeah, twice. Papua New Guinean uh, representative Justin Olam, who is one of my favorites in the competition. He, he's so committed every game that he plays. He's a character. He looks like he really enjoys himself, and a couple of good tries to him. All the right. Tigers won the Hulla Cup. Hulla Sippy Cup, we've, we've retitled it from Nelly. <laughs> Because I don't really deserve a cup of any sort, so I, I said a sippy that, cup would be relevant. I thought the Haller Cup was Dean Hallertau's cup, but he says no. But if he did have a cup, it would be called the Haller Sippy Cup. Yeah, that, that's that's fitting. <laughs> and the Tigers twenty eight over the Bulldogs sixteen. It was a bit of a sippy cup game. Actually, it was hard to watch for my two old teams, as much as I hate to say it. Turning our attention to the game that they play in heaven, the Rugby 15s. The Wallabies faced the All Blacks at Eden Park. And again, the All Blacks were just too strong for the Wallabies. I did have great confidence with the boys heading in. As we all know, the Wallabies did really well against the French um, a couple of weeks ago when we're heading in with hot form. Unfortunately, the Wallabies fell to the All Blacks in the first test, 33-25. to 25. The Wallabies did try to make a late comeback in the second half. However, it was just a bit too late in the game. Noel Olesio, he didn't have a great um, game. Uh, oh, that's really that's really rough to say, actually. He just didn't have a lot of luck with his boots. With the boot, yeah. He and, struggled um, with the boot. 
And, you know, I really appreciate the way that Rennie and Michael Hooper faced up to the press post-game and said he'll learn from it. He's spending a lot of time around Quade Cooper and Matt Tamua, um, trying to, you know, learn elements of their game as well as his own. And um, I hope to see the boys get up this weekend because they need to improve if they want to be in contest for the Bledisloe Cup. They play again at Eden Park this weekend before heading over to Perth for the final game, the third game. Perth is incredible, by the way. I have been to that stadium. Uh, the Wallaroos had a doubleheader match with the Wallabies back in 2019, and it was just when the stadium had gone up, and I have never seen anything like it. Like really cool light show on that, yeah? Really cool light show. Just the facilities are next level. Uh, it's really special, but, you know, first things first, let's uh, win this game in Eden Park, and then we can look at Perth after that. Looking forward to the, the wrapping up of the, the Bledisloe Cup. And in the netball, the Giants defeated West Coast Fever 75-73. to 73. It was a very close match. Each side had one two quarters. But the Giants were able to come away with a win, which means the Giants are now minor premiers, which is huge for them. Huge it's- effort from the Giants. I believe that the um, the Fever had a point scoring record. They, they hit 25 goals in the first quarter, which is a record wow. for one quarter in the Super Netball. So well done um, to the Fever on doing that, but well done to the Giants on overcoming them, claiming the minor premiership. They get two bites at the cherry uh, through the semifinals. So if they lose, they get another crack, but hopefully they win and go all the way through to the GF. I would love to say that they have a huge task ahead of them uh, with the New South Wales Swift game coming up this weekend. But later in the show, we will be joined by Christina Manoa for a interview. She's incredible and we can't wait to share it with you. Indeed. And over the ditch to New Zealand uh, in their premium competition, the Northern Mystics defeated the Mainland Tactics 61-59. to It was a thriller and 19-year-old Grace Nowicki was the difference. She only missed four goals. That's huge. That's an incredible stat too. That was the Northern Mystics' first ever premiership, so congratulations to uh, the Mystics. And also a huge shout-out to Tiana Metarau, who was announced as part of the Silverfern squad. Um, Huge accomplishment and can't wait to see what the girl does. Congratulations, Tiana. And Dean, it's really sad to think that the Olympics have come to an end. They provided us with great entertainment, particularly while in lockdown. What's your take on the Olympics this year? Yeah, really enjoyed it. There was a lot of uh, talk leading in about... Whether or not it would be safe, uh, there was no crowds going to be present. Obviously, that uh, changes the whole, I guess, atmosphere of the Olympics. But in saying that, the the teams that were there supporting in stadium, um, the events that we that we witnessed on TV, it was a really enjoyable fortnight of sport. Um, and my my wife actually, she's probably not much of a, a sport person, or she doesn't really follow sport too much. And she said to me before the Olympics, she goes, "I never really got the Olympics that much." I said, are you kidding? Like, this is something that you get around every four years. You get around the TV with your family. If you're lucky enough to be in a, in a place where it's on, you go there um, and you don't get it. And she was, yeah, it's just not for me. Eh? And then by the end of it, she couldn't turn the TV off. She loved was like, fully absorbed in it yeah, and, and loved it. So, yeah, it was a great fortnight of sport. Luckily, we get to see it again uh, with the Paralympics kicking off on the August 24th. Yes, it's really exciting. There's so much to cover from the Olympics. One thing I do want to mention is on the back of her bronze, Dame Valerie Adams was able to carry the flag for New Zealand in the closing ceremony. I thought that was really special in a way to kind of add the cherry on top for her outstanding performance on the Olympic stage. Yeah, what a, what a what an achievement to get a fourth uh, Olympic medal that goes with two golds and a silver that she's previously got. And um, she's had children. She spoke about that afterwards. Between Olympics, she's had two children. And, and she mentioned the fact that she's able to um, do that, train and prepare for an Olympics 
get ready, get out there and perform at her best. And uh, she was extremely proud of herself and no doubt the, her country was extremely proud of her as well. Uh, and it was just yeah, really nice to see her achieve that, to be able to carry the flag at the closing ceremony as well as something that um, no doubt she was very proud of. Well said. What was your favourite part of the whole Olympic campaign? Oh, look, I, I really enjoyed the, the marathons in the last two days. Um, they, were, they were great to watch. The Kenyans dominated uh, that. But just in general, I just love changing the channel. Like you, you surf between the channels to watch whatever's on. And um, I enjoyed pretty much all of it. Uh, I always enjoy athletics. The, the 100 yes. metres, you know, I, I enjoy the, the 100 metres. The tie in the men's the, for the gold medal in the men's high jump was really That was really, really cool. special. Um, yeah, there's, it's, it's hard not to like anything at the Olympics. That was a weekend in sport. Well, it was actually the fortnight in sport as well. <laughs> Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week, we are very, very lucky to have a GWS giant netball player, Christiana Manua, joining us for um, an interview. She is incredible. Um, if you are a fond follower of ABC, you would have seen her a couple weeks ago co-hosting with Dean Hallitau on the show, That Pacific Sports Show. It's an absolute privilege to have you. Christina, how are you going? Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going well. Thank you. That's great to hear. Before we get stuck into it, what we like to do is launch with a segment called tip on if you're ready to go we'll get the clock ticking oh gosh let's go all right <laughs> let's go christiana uh, first question what have you been reading watching or listening to lately um i actually been reading the basha hawley autobiography at the moment hey. nice nice uh what was your first concert oh i want to say it was a chris brown concert chris brown cb who is your most annoying teammate <laughs> Most annoying teammate. Um, I'll chuck Jamie Lee Price under the bus. Here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Who is your uh, Who's your sporting hero? Um, definitely Monia Gerard. Nice one. I like that. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, I'm a really good um, napper. Napper. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go to? Nap anywhere and anywhere. You can nap anywhere. That's good to know. What's your go to karaoke song? Islands in the stream. Oh, we'll hear some of that later. Uh, scale of one to ten, <laughs> how good are you at keeping secrets? Um, pretty good. I want to say a three. Depends who it is. <laughs> three. That's the opposite three's way. The, three's the bottom end of the scale. So that's, <laughs> oh, that's... I mean seven. I mean seven. <laughs> okay, go up to seven. Seven's a good number. I love that. We ran out of time, but I'll get your uh, favorite movie when you were a kid. Lion King. 100%. Oh, yes. Ah, Lion King. yes. That's a winner. Half two. Love that. You did pretty good there. So Islands in the Stream, why is that your favourite karaoke song? Does that get a, a run very often? It does when I have a duet partner. Ah. Or when, when I've had a few beers and then I just... <laughs> 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 well, hopefully there's uh, there's reason to celebrate in a few weeks' time uh, with the Super Netball. If you can lift the, the trophy, there there might be an opportunity to, to sing that song. Uh, firstly, uh, Christiana, tell us a little bit about your netball career and where things started. Yeah, um, I'm fortunate enough to um, be playing at the professional um, league at the moment, but I did start as a junior in Liverpool. I think that out in Western Sydney is kind of my roots and where I did most of my, my netball before I got contracted professionally over in New Zealand. Um, debuted over there for a White Caddo team and then, yeah, eventually moved across the ditch here to to New South Wales where I play for the Giants netball who 
played I played in their inaugural season and lucky enough to be going into my fifth season with them now. It's incredible to hear about your journey. I'm curious to know, were you involved with any other sports growing up? Um, yeah, I did. I actually played quite a few sports um, in primary school, basketball, did a bit of tag and stuff as well. But yeah, I think netball was pretty much my calling. You know, um, my mum played it and I played it with my sister as well on the weekends. And I think it was just a good opportunity for us to kind of play together and have something to connect with with our, with our mum as well. Just talking about your uh, your trip back over to New Zealand to, to play professionally over there, what was that like? Obviously, you were born in New Zealand, but you moved to Australia when you were quite young. So to get the opportunity to go and play netball back in New Zealand for a period must have been great. Yeah, you know, um, obviously that wasn't my first choice, um, playing all my junior levels in, that. in Australia. It was probably my dream to, you know, debut and play for the country that I kind of grew up playing in. But when you're an 18-year-old kid and you get an opportunity, there's just no saying no. So kind of grabbed that with two hands and, yeah, moved over the ditch to play over there, which I'm really grateful for. You know, they gave me that that chance to debut in the professional league and, yeah, I haven't turned back. Speaking of debuts, in 2018, you debuted with the Giants. What was it like? Yeah, it was amazing. I debuted later than I wanted after I had an um, Achilles injury. But, you know, to, to play in a state where you grew up, it it meant a lot for my family as well. You know, it was the first time I kind of played in front of them as well. Can I ask, Christiana, obviously there's two teams here in in New South Wales, the Swifts and the Giants. (laughs) Did you have a preference like when you were younger? Did you follow the Swifts or uh, when when the Giants became available? Was that like straight away, I'm a Giant, I want to be a Giant? Was that where you were always headed? (laughs) Yeah, well, when I was younger, I did watch the um, New South Wales Swifts. Monia Gerard played for them, who I idolised humongously. Like she was just my idol and I was a replacement player and I remember rooming with her in a hotel and I just like spent majority of the time just staring at her because I was just so <laughs> It probably sounds creepy now but that's actually what I did and we ended up becoming really good friends but you know after moving across the ditch and then getting the call up with Giants you know you kind of you don't really have favourites anymore you just whatever team you play in is your new favourite and yeah they're pretty much the ones that gave me my opportunity so it's pretty cr- for life. Oh, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but it's pretty crazy to think that you were able to room with your idol. It's something that not everyone gets. I was so stoked. I think I was excited myself, but then even <laughs> my family as well, you know, to see another Pacific Islander being on that stage that you want to as well. So I, I watched her internationally and then domestic league as well. So to then room with her was so surreal. And yeah, like I said, we've become really good friends and, you know, she definitely helped me before I actually debuted as well. That's awesome to hear how fondly you speak of her and also touching on what you said about seeing another Pacific Islander on the court and, you know, her being of um, PI heritage, giving you someone to look up to. It just makes me wonder, I know that you are in the leadership group with the Giants. How do you perceive your role as a leader within the group? Yeah, I try to not um, change my role too much. I think for me as a player, I I just like to do my job as an athlete and an individual. And I think hopefully that just translates to all the other girls as well. And, you know, to get that leadership role and to be nominated by by my teammates as well is just so honourable as well. And I think for me, I just wanted to really focus on my own job and hopefully that translates to them. Christiana, this year obviously you have had a, a great season. Congratulations on the minor premiership with the Giants. You, you finished top of the table. Obviously very proud of that. But how do you sum up your season and the, what you have been able to achieve? Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. I think um, obviously started the regular season playing at home in front of a crowd. And then, you know, um, COVID has hit and we had to relocate here to Queensland. And 
we've been away from home for about four weeks and we've been to maybe four different states in that time. So yeah, it's been a bit of a hurdle, but I think the way our girls have conducted ourselves has been really um, admirable. We've just really put that behind us when we get on court and just trying to focus on getting the job done. Well, you speak about uh, lockdowns and having to move around quite a bit. You were, had a bit of a hurdle last week in your in your round 14 match, your last game of the, the regular season. You were only able to use up to eight players. Is that right? You had players uh, unable uh, because of restrictions to play and, and injuries, no doubt, uh, playing a part, but you were very limited in, in how many players you could use. Yeah, so um, we only had eight people in our squad to take court, so... If you know netball, you're only allowed seven players on court. So that meant we only had the one reserve on the bench, which Damn. credit to the girls. We we really didn't let that affect us. We we knew we had a job. Um, we didn't think about the fact that we only had one on the bench. So we kind of just went out there with no pressure. And then, yeah, we were fortunate enough to get the win and be minor premiums, which is it's really great. I'm really proud of my team and how, uh, how well we've done this season so far. Yeah, a huge credit to the girls. Certainly have. Does that mean you would have only had one reserve on the bench that would have just had to rotate yeah. and be like a utility play for you girls? Yeah, well, she's mostly a shooter, but yeah, most of us, we ended up playing a whole game. That's incredible. Speaking of game days, do you have a particular ritual that you go through? Yeah, I do. I think it obviously changes because we're not at home, but we've made a good routine here. So kind of starts off with a beach swim, coffee, lots of coffee during the day. Yes. <laughs> um, a solid nap before we head on the bus to to go and play as well. So pretty chill, but there's definitely a a routine there. I love that. I just have to ask, making headlines um, throughout the country today is that netball could potentially be added to the Olympics. Being a netballer yourself, a professional one, and probably in the realm of players that they could choose from, how does that news make you feel? Um, I don't know about being in the realm. I'll be like 38 by then. <laughs> yes, yeah, you've plenty of years in you, girl. 38 is not old, by the way. <laughs> it is It is a nepple age. And, um, my knees say they're about 64 by that time. <laughs> so they tell a different story. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I think it should be an Olympic sport next Olympics. But if we do get that chance when the Olympics are in Brisbane, we'll be be awesome and big for netball as well. They deserve it. I think we've we've come a long way and hopefully, yeah, we'll get there. Bringing your mind back to uh, the Super Netball competition, you've got the major semifinal this week against the Swifts. So if you win that, you get to go through to the big one. Uh, what's going to be the focus this week against your uh, your state counterparts? <laughs> um, to win. <laughs> <laughs> simple. Um, yeah, keep it simple. Um, no, but it'll be a good match. You know, we've we always on and off with them, and we have a really good rivalry, obviously, New South Wales against New South Wales. Um, but one thing we've done really well is just stick to our game plan. So hopefully with the pressure of finals and all that stuff with finals, um, we can pull through and, and follow that kind of game plan. Well, it's pretty exciting. We definitely will be tuning in and hope to see you girls get up. And I guess I want to end this on asking you, no doubt there will be young fans out there who look up to you. Um, You know, I'm definitely proud to see another Pacific sister playing for the Giants on that national stage. For your younger fans, do you have any advice? Yeah, um, I think for me, to all the younger fans and just all women and girls in general and athletes, I think it's really hard to get to this stage, but it's also really big to dream and have that dream and you know just to work hard and that it is possible and that anyone can do it and um yeah hopefully i'll be seeing more pacific islanders on this stage 
Very good advice. Christiana, thanks very much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? We wish you all the best this weekend against the New South Wales Swifts. And, of course, hopefully you're, you're lifting that trophy in a few weeks' time as the Super Netball Champions. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you so much for having me. That was Super Netball Giants defender Christiana Manua. Uh, she will be playing in the semifinal this week. Good luck, Christiana. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We've reached the favourite part of the show, well, my favourite part anyways. It's another segment of You Can Ask That. Dean, we have a very good question this week, and I'm really excited to share it with you. The question is, how do you manage being out of form? It's a good question. Form is a funny thing because uh, there's a lot of different people that judge form. It's the fans that see the game a certain way. It's commentators that see it a certain way. Your coaches and, and your trainers, obviously, that um, look at it from a team point of view. And then yourself, you're always your worst judge, your worst critic on yourself. So, um, yeah, form's something that I'm sure every athlete has gone through or goes through at different times. Some are very good at staying at a high level, competing at a high level, where you sometimes don't know the difference between their good and poor performances because they're so consistent. I was a player when I was still playing that my good and bad were, um, there's a fair gap between them and I knew that myself. I knew when I was not playing well and um, it was probably difficult for me to manage. I, I overanalyzed things and I got in my own head about different issues, but the older I got, the more I learned uh, that often the, the the things that I thought were really big in terms of my form being not great um, weren't that big and all it took was one thing to fix in my game that would make me feel better about the way I was playing. And I'd almost trick myself into being in form. And as soon as you start feeling like you're at, you are in form, even if there's not a lot of difference between what's gone bad and what's gone good, like as soon as you start feeling that way, naturally you relax more, you start playing better and, and form slowly turns around. But um, you've got to also got to manage with that, the, the attention that comes from, like I said, the external factors as well. What about yourself, Sarah? What's your take on form and, and the peaks and the troughs? I think when I hear or see the word form, I think about fitness straight away. And, you know, being an athlete, that's something that you think about every single day, whether it's the food that you put in your mouth, whether it's you getting an extra session in when no one else is looking. It's something I will go as far to say haunts me because it really is at the back of my mind with every decision I make. Like, is this, is this good for me? Is this not good for me? And speaking about form, there's definitely been times where I've been out of form and I've been dropped. So a memory that comes to mind was my first Wallaroos camp was back in 2019, just been selected, was on top of the world. I thought I had a really good debut season with Waratahs and was in good stead for selection. Get to my first camp, we had a private trial with Japan and that's kind of where they said, we're going to put two teams on the field and you're going to play and that's how we're going to select our teams. And I knew when I was on the pitch, that I was not playing a good game. I was so nervous. It was the first time for me to put on um, an Aussie jersey. And even though it was the training jersey, it was the first time for me to put my hands on it. And I just knew when I was on the field that far out, like I'm not playing how I know I can play. Um, and that week I was called in, sat down with coaches. Steve Larkham was actually in um, my first meeting and he's a rugby icon legend for anyone who does not know. And I honestly came in thinking that they just want to have a chat to me, see how camp's going. And I was told that I was being dropped and it came down to my performance and not being in form for an international match. And I was told that perhaps I would get an opportunity the next week. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like that's probably the game that I do want to play because it's going to be in Sydney and all my family and friends are there. And then I got dropped again. 
and I got selected for the following camp and we were in Perth with the Wallabies for the Bledisloe and I didn't get selected. And then I got sent home after that game while the rest of the girls went to New Zealand. So I definitely know what it feels like when I guess you're not in form for coaches and it bloody sucks. Yeah. It really bloody sucks. Um, but it does, it does feed the ammo to be the best version of yourself. And, you know, it's pretty unfortunate that since 2019 until now, we haven't had the opportunity to play a test match. So I do feel like I have unfinished business, but you know, we're currently dealing with this pandemic and there's no outlet. So I feel like right now I'm training, but am I like, am I in form? I don't know. Like what's the measure of it? Maybe a test match would be, but it's really hard. Like there are so many factors that come into play when you talk about being in form and selections is definitely one of them for me. When, when you got that news that came from your coaches that you were going to be picked, what was, what were the points in your own mind? Obviously there's disappointment at first, but how did you feel post that? Like what were you thinking about? All right. So I'm not, I'm not on the team now. What, what can I do to, to try and put myself in the frame? Or how do I, how do I correct this? Well, after I cried for about two days, because <laughs> you think you're going to play for your country and then you don't, um, like I want to like kind of pinpoint an emotion I felt then was like embarrassment. Yep. Cause I was like, man, like there's been so much hype of me coming into camp. Like my family's super proud, you know, my family buying jerseys, like, cause they're stoked to come and watch me. And then like, I just felt like this like pure embarrassment. And then I guess once I got rid of that, I was like, well, I'm actually here because I'm acknowledged to be one of the best players in this country. And that should be enough for me to feel like I'm worthy enough to be here. And so basically there was like a, a shift in mindset. Like it's not about me now. It's about my team. They have a test match and if they win, I win. If they lose, I lose. So what can I do to be the best player for them? Like it did hurt, you know, rocking up to training and being like, I'm holding a tackle bag for the whole session today because it's not about me. It's about my team. It hurt. But um, I think when you have that moment of being able to shift your perspective, um, it becomes a lot easier to deal with. It's a, it's a funny thing you mentioned that a lot of athletes go through now and We've seen it at the Olympics recently. The expectation that others place on athletes themselves can sometimes weigh too heavily. And the embarrassment you talk about, players that get paid a million bucks a year in, in rugby league and everyone expects a certain level of performance from them. And I dare say that at times when they're not performing to everyone else's expectations, along with the price tag, then there's a, a level of embarrassment that they're feeling about not being able to do that. Like you said, family, friends. A lot of people, when they make it into an elite athletic environment, the family and friends come along with that. People from small towns, perhaps, that move into a professional environment. The whole town talks about their player or their athlete that's gone on to represent at the Olympics or represent um, at an elite level, and all that expectation goes along with them. So when it doesn't quite work out, and it could be for the smallest of reasons in terms of form, then um, often you know, that expectation can be pretty heavy for someone to wear, for an individual to wear. But it's good that you identify that, you know, you, you think about what you can do yourself to help the team out and it got you back in the frame of mind to, to know how to help the best you could and it just subsequently improved the way that you were feeling about it. Yeah, that's definitely one way to look at it. I just want to ask you though, when you were playing and throughout your career, did you ever face um, any scrutiny from the public for the way that you played? Yeah, all the, all the time. I think, um, I, and I wasn't a high profile player and I wasn't in a position that was like, I was never paid a lot of money, so I didn't get the expectation of price tag. Wasn't in a key position on the field very often, although late in my career, I had a couple of experiences with that. So I wasn't squarely in everyone's sights, but I heard criticism from people when I didn't play well, be it from the sidelines or after games when we've had a tough loss, you got to front up at fan engagements after games, go back to the, the league's club and um, 
you know, be there for, for the fans to turn up and pay for tickets and come to support the team, I'd, I'd get hammered by them to my face. And it was, as a young kid, when that happened, I was like, oh, I'm just out there doing my best. I already know I had a bad game. Like, you don't need to come up and tell me to my face that I played crap. Yeah. Like, and yeah, that, that was pretty tough. And then um, I, I played when social media probably it wasn't present to a time when it was. So I've seen that start to unfold as well and uh, often get um, find myself looking after games to get my validation or get my uh, my game review from the public on social media. And often it wasn't good if I didn't have a good game. So that was yeah, very hard to, to hear comments that, that people say. And there's players, like I said, now that get it far worse. How did you drain out the noise? Uh, don't go on social media is probably a good one after a bad game. You want to, people go in there after good games because they know they're going to get their back slapped and it's going to feel good. Everyone wants to feel good about doing things well. So it's just natural and, and very human to want to hear that sort of feedback. But um, if you, you know yourself when you haven't played well. So if you go on social media looking for it, you're bound to find it and it's not going to be pleasant if you, if you know you haven't pl- played well. Um, but then to further go forward on that, you mentioned before about training, fitness, preparation is like something that I know a lot of players live and breathe by. Preparation helps a good performance so yeah if you get your prep right then you know you're going to play well and if you're doing those little things away from other people that you know is going to give you an edge and get you back in uh, the frame of mind that you know you're going to compete well your confidence and, and, you, and you generally play well how do you define being in form um being in form is like you feel relaxed your um performances don't seem as difficult as you know, it's like quicksand, when you try too hard, you often think things get worse. Everything feels hard, feels difficult. And I think the a good game is where you come off the field. Yeah, it might be you're physically always fairly exhausted from a game, but you feel really energized by what's just happened. Um, you know that you've executed your skill well. You know that you've done your best for the team. The result helps if it's a win, then you, naturally you're going to feel good about uh, the win and celebrating it with your teammates. So that takes you to another level. Um, it can be fake sometimes because... I had a coach that talked about social loafing. So what he meant by that is your team's winning, but you're not actually playing that well. But because the team is winning, you kind of fade into the background and you go along with it and you just become a social loafer. And he warned people not, to get, not to get complacent and not to think that just because the team's winning, you, your position's safe. Yeah. yeah, you sometimes can get tricked by the form of the team, but um, it's just that, that feeling of relaxed and not even wanting to go and check on social media or hear from people about how well you've gone because you just know internally that you've played well. Mm. What about yourself? How do you how do you know when your your form is where it needs to? I know you said before that it's hard at the moment when you don't have the the consistency of games, but how do you know when your form's on? I think I, I definitely do measure it by the fitness factor. Like, can I keep up around the park? Can I do my job around the park? And often that's like the part that I'm probably most negative um, towards myself about is like, if I can get around the park easily or just keep up in training, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm on here. But if I'm feeling like gassed, I feel so crap. But then I also think that that's such a a lie that I tell myself because to be gassed also means that you're trying really hard, yeah. you know? And um, those are some narratives that I'm trying to retell myself as well, that just because I'm gassed, it doesn't mean that I'm unfit. It actually means that I'm trying. And even when I do sessions and I don't feel like it, what's most important is that I'm actually ticking all the boxes that I'm required to do this week. So I definitely measure it um, by fitness. There is a big part and it's definitely part of like a woman's makeup is like seeking that validation. So I'll also go back to my coaches and um, it's almost a requirement that you clip your games. Um, at the end of each week, send it to your coach and get that feedback. So I'm very 
harsh on myself, just like you mentioned earlier, we're our own worst critics. So I'll pick my game apart. And even like the best of things that I think I did really well, I'll probably pick it apart being like, oh, I probably like I caught it on my chest. I didn't catch it out in front. Um, but just having a coach kind of be like, oh no, like you did the right thing. So that's another part that I'm actually trying to fix is like not leaning on other people to tell me that I'm a good player, but rather believing that I am. So um, I think once that innate belief is there, I know that I'm, I'm okay. It's, you know, a funny thing with coaches, they coach because they want their team and their players to get better. That's the nature of coaching, right? To help people get better. So by you going actively to your coach and saying, okay, I've clipped my, my game up, you know, let's walk through it. How do I get better? Often people are afraid to do that because they don't want to get the wrong feedback. But the feedback is what's important to coaches because they know that you're a willing player on their team that wants to get better. And that's a positive thing. Like, oh, so many teammates that think their numbers stand with the coach because he's dropped them once and he doesn't like them or for whatever reason. But you go ask a coach what they want to see from you or how you can improve your game to give them what they want. They'll respect you more for it. They'll see that you're being proactive and what you want to do to make your game better. And more often than not, you'll do what's required and you'll be back in the frame. So it's, it's, you understand that already. So I don't need to tell you that. Love it. I think that was a sensational part of you can ask that this week. I agree. Great question. In the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport. On Can You Be More Pacific? In Iraq, we are tackling some tough headlines. First being New South Wales Rugby League have abandoned all competitions due to the current COVID situation, which is uh, kind of worsening here in New South Wales. Uh, what's your take on it? Oh, it's very disappointing for all teams uh, and obviously New South Wales Rugby League to have to do this, in particular Silktails, who have had a pretty big journey to get to where they are now. And um, obviously it's been challenging to be in another country during a COVID time and um, to be trying to play in the competition, uh, the Ron Massey Cup, but for have, to have it um, now cancelled is, is yeah, really difficult for them and for all, all players in those competitions. Yes, as we know, my brother Wes is the head coach of the team. He's really disappointed uh, that the competition has had to end this way, particularly in their debut inclusion um, of the Ron Massey Cup. But, you know, it's just the way that the world's rolling at the moment is that you have to adapt on the go. And I hope to see the boys come back next year. They were incredible in the tournament. So hopefully it's uh, the first of many appearances. Yeah, I I think they'll be back. And I read some comments from the... the uh, CEO of New South Wales Rugby League, Dave Trodden, and there was no certainty about what was going to happen. The The season is drawing to an end anyway um, in terms of when it was scheduled to finish. So there's just no no reason for them to continue and also the health concerns. But fortunately for Queensland Rugby League, their comps are back on this week. And the Hunters are back on. The Hunters are back on. Let's hope they can generate some momentum. If they can string some wins together before the regular season finishes, they'll be playing some finals footy. Would love to see it. World Cup has been postponed. That this was is really sad. Last week we went from what the World Cup would look like without Australia and New Zealand, and then this week we are faced with the news that the World Cup altogether has been postponed. Yeah, I think organisers were left with no alternative. It wasn't going to be feasible enough for them to host a World Cup this year without uh, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, a number of players from the competition here in Australia probably would have been unavailable to play. So there was just too much um, up in the air for them to, to risk running a tournament that may have not uh, worked out for them, I guess, financially. It's totally valid the the reasons why they've decided to pull the pin. I think the benefit of it for players is they will now have an extended break, which is something yeah. that they don't usually get. While it's devastating for fans, it's a it's a real um, positive thing for players to be able to take a much needed rest, spend time with their family, and recalibrate before they go ahead for another season. Well said, um, AFL. We'll turn our attention to some um, some more negative news, I suppose, and it's it's 
something that it's occurred quite frequently this year in a few different codes, but uh, racism in AFL has popped up again. It's just disgusting. Like, there's no other way to put it. It's really sad to see that Port Adelaide's Alilia face um, some racism after a spectacular performance on the weekend. He also won the showdown medal, and um, it's just really crap to see that they still exist in the game. Yeah, so he's been uh, abused on social media by alleged fans of AFL. Like, I don't know, you can call yourself a fan if you're sending abuse to a player um, of any sort, let alone um, racial abuse. And uh, we've seen it occur over the last few weeks for uh, players in the NRL that have lost games and maybe had poor games. And the abuse comes not about their performance as such, but about the colour of their skin, which is totally unnecessary, totally uh, not a part of what we've come to accept in society. And um, yeah, the, those people that have been doing that have actually been named and shamed by those NRL players. I'm not too sure what has happened for Port Adelaide's Alia Alia, but it's definitely not on. And unfortunately, it's also crossed over to player ranks in the AFL with Adelaide Crow skipper uh, Taylor Walker making some racially um, charged comments towards a player from the the SANFL, which is a lower grade uh, in the AFL competition. And um, he's acknowledged that he made um, these poor comments and he's come out and apologised, but um, he's been suspended for six matches and uh, also a $20,000 fine. And rightfully so. It's just really unfortunate to see this kind of behaviour come from a leader as well. What's really, I guess, cool to note is that this was raised by an official who overheard the comment. And, you know, we tend to have a culture of, you know, what, what is said on the field stays on the field. And, you know, often those things are just said between players, but an official heard it and brought it up, which I think is a really critical step in addressing racism in the game is that you don't just kind of walk past the comments. And I think as players, we can sometimes just like, oh, whatever, like it was just in the heat of the moment. But yeah. someone heard it and called him out for his behavior. And it's so important that it came from official as well, because he's, he's setting an example that, you know, the things that you walk by are also the standards that you enable. And he's making a strong example of the fact that he's involved in a game that he's that he loves and he's proud of and he will not stand for it. So I think, bloody hell, good job to that official for bringing it up. Yeah, and I think uh, the punishment fits the crime. 100%. Or do we think it should be more? Ooh, look, I just... Like, how do you actually stamp out racism, right? Like, you, I don't know. Education is a, is a big step. And, and he's acknowledged, Taylor Walker's yeah. come out and acknowledged, and he'd, he'd done a video um, with the, the player that was a target of his, of his abuse. And it was a little bit awkward. It was a lot I awkward. I thought it was awkward watching that video. Yeah, it was a lot awkward. Um, I don't know who instructed him to do that or who came up with the idea. And he's acknowledged that he needs to be better and needs to learn. I, I think it speaks to, like, how deep-seated some of these thoughts and yeah. um, some things that are said, so like how long they've been around for and how accepted they have been for such a long time to just, as you said before, um, when people say them and they just allow it because, oh, no, no, it's just a joke or it's just this and that um, without even thinking too much about mm. it, throw away comments. And, um, yeah, he's got some, some learning to do and, and no doubt it's going to be a long six weeks for him to think about it. No doubt. You know, it just makes me think um, with that whole dragon's bloody catastrophe that happened a couple of weeks ago when, uh, oh God, his name escapes me. Paul Vaughan. Paul Vaughan. Host of that party, right? Players come over. His contract got stamped out for breaking COVID protocol. How different is this? Like, yeah, that's you know, a good point. and it's, yeah. it's, it's worth considering like how much of an example do you want to make for it? If you're a game that says it doesn't stand or you're a club that says it doesn't stand, how far are you going? To prove that, I mean, and that's an extreme thing, but it's something to, it's, it's comparison worth considering. Yeah. Uh, that's a, it's a really good um, thought. 
Well, let's finish on some good news for this week's In the Rug. Yes, please. Bring some light. The Fijiana team, the Fiji women's rugby. Um, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because it's going to be Fiji women's rugby, not just sevens, but also um, 15 aside. Uh, teams are going to receive 65% of funding uh, from now. That's a huge step in the right direction. As we know, Fiji has been hugely under-resourced in previous years, particularly the women's program. And based off what the girls did in Tokyo, winning the bronze lifts their funding as well. And um, the girls going to Tokyo with like, you know, second best of everything, they performed so well and finished on a podium. Putting this money back into them and to their program is going to do such incredible things. I cannot wait to see what they do. And, and it's going to be really important to develop. Like those resources will go a long way through pathways, right? Because a lot of um, girls in Fiji will choose other sports. Yes, um, they love the of, basketball, the netballs, yeah. the athletics. So they, they will hopefully get an opportunity through extra resources to put programs in place at lower ages. So they get them earlier. They can develop as they grow with the game and um, even be more successful on the world stage once they get to that point. Yes, I know that um, we covered earlier in the week that the sevens coach of the women's side, his phone has been blowing up since the Olympics finished with girls expressing their interest in the sport. Because right now I believe participation numbers, which sounds freaking crazy to me, is that there's only a thousand girls playing rugby and then their team go off to the Olympics, which is the biggest sporting stage and they produce an incredible product. So the future is looking bright. It is. For the men's side, the gold medal winning uh, Fiji Sevens, we, we joked around about this <laughs> last week about what do they get if they win the gold medal? Because last time they got a commemorative note and they had a national holiday declared uh, upon their return. So what did they get this time? They get a house. Ooh. Jerry Tawai, who is their captain, um, you know, there's been articles circulating on the internet of him uh, receiving a house. And rightfully so. Those boys had to sacrifice so much in the lead up. They're away from home for five months. I read another article that at one point they were considering um, running away from camp because they're just really missing home. So I think it is a... Uh, a reward that is very fitting for the sacrifice. And, you know, to go back to back in the Olympics is a huge, huge achievement. It is a huge achievement. And not just that, there's a million dollars worth of, I guess, prizes or um, pledges that, that they've made to, to all participants from both the men's and the women's from the Olympic seven side. All I want to say, and I don't want to be shady by any means, but I want to see a follow through of that. Receipts. Like 100%. I want Send to see the, the receipts. receipts to Sarah. Send the receipts to Sarah and Fiji Twitter will make sure... <laughs> that they produce the goods. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. It's that part of our show now where we scour the social pages, which I know you spend a lot of time on the social pages, says. So. Oh my God, I feel so exposed right now. True or not true? <sighs> Depends who's asking. <laughs> <laughs> where we look at, yeah, we look at our favourite pieces from the social media this weekend. What have you got for us? My favorite piece comes from the Penrith Panthers Instagram. It was Tyrone May presenting his younger brother Talon with his jersey. It was just, it was so beautiful to hear Tyrone, who I perceive to be a really quiet, reserved person, um, to speak so openly about his love for his brother, the hardships that they faced growing up. It was scenes for me. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very emotional person. Um, so that, that was really special. Yeah, well done. My favorite social from the weekend. Tell us. Uh, Paddy Mills, the Boomers skipper. Um, legend. Legend. He carried the flag for Australia at yes. the opening ceremony and 
Um, he's, he's shown so much passion for the Australian jersey the whole way through this Olympics and um, spoke quite proudly about representing. And he's been a part, I think, four Olympics now. Wow. Three Olympics, four Olympics. He's been around for a long time and he's always been very dedicated to the Boomers jersey. Anyway, they go on to win the, the bronze medal. He's quite emotional afterwards. Um, yeah, really, really big moment. But Paddy Mills celebrating in style back at the village afterwards with all his teammates and all the staff singing, I come from a land down under. Obviously, there was a few sports drinks involved, so he was in quite a... Hydration is very important. Hydration is very important, but he's trying to drag his teammates in for a song <laughs> and, and his dance. It was just really, really cool to see. Really special stuff. He was incredible, by the way. 42 points in the bronze medal match, I believe he got. That's so. sensational. And he's also just signed a new deal, hasn't yes. he? Go Brooklyn Nets. Oh, what a stacked team he's going to. Mate, with talent like that, just adding. Shout out, Patty Mills. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Ah, uh, you know what my favourite thing about this show is, Dean? We cover one week in sport and then we get to look forward to the next week. There's always sport on, isn't there? <laughs> Even in COVID, there's always sport on. Our Yay. show revolves around sport. What are you looking forward to this week? <laughs> Me, look. Super rugby. Yep. Not even super rugby, test match rugby. The Wallabies have the All Blacks. They're going up against them at Eden Park. It's going to be huge. The All Blacks, um, if they win, they obviously have secured the Bledisloe Club. The Wallabies need to fight really hard so that they can be in contention to even um, win the title. So it's going to be a huge match. We know that the All Blacks are outstanding. Richard Mwanga, outstanding last weekend. So, yeah, I'm just hoping that the Wallabies boys <clears throat> get up. It's 35 games I haven't beaten the All Blacks at Eden Park, right? Yeah. They need to break that. They need to break the drought. And Richard Mwanga, his boot and his try. What about his try last week? Oh, 80 metre intercept. That's that's my dream try. 80 metres, I couldn't last more intercept. than 30. Yeah, I'm good over like the first 40 Yeah, and then the fatigue hits you. You need some snipers in the crowd and taking out, <laughs> taking out the chasers. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Uh, the NRL this week, it's women in league round. Um, yes. Unfortunately, it's a little bit different. Uh, in terms of what they would normally do for women in the league round. But um, it's still uh, one of the things that they love to celebrate each year. This year, I believe the, they want to celebrate women, uh, not just players on the field uh, and referees, but women across the game in general that have led from an administrative point of view, um, from the playing point of view as well, and, and also at community club level. And also celebrating people that empower women in rugby league and that support women and hold them up and 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 try and um, ensure that they've got an equal say in the way the game is rolled out. So really important round in the season. South versus uh, the Gold Coast Titans is what I'm looking forward to because the Titans are going all right. They're in great form. Yeah, David Fafita's been coming off the bench for them. Yes. and Which is like uh, David Fafita, origin player. He's a man mountain. Why not start him? But the, the off the bench is working. He's scoring tries. He's a handful when he comes on and – They've had trouble at the back end of their games. Yeah, the, finishing the time. off. So having him play that back half of the game or back three quarters of the game, I think is working for them. So that'll be a big game. I wonder if that's the method to the madness, put him on at the end so that they finish strong. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be working. Yeah, definitely go with it if it's working. In the Super Netball, we've got some exciting fixtures coming up. We head into semifinals this week. Yeah, semifinals are giants. So we spoke to uh, their goal defender, Cristiano Manua, earlier on, and uh, they take on the Swiss in the major final. So the winner of that one will go through to the final two weeks from now. Uh, and in the second game, it's the West Coast Fever, or the minor semifinal. West Coast versus the Sunshine Coast Lightning. Loser of that game is eliminated. Winner progresses through to face the, lo the loser of the other game. Huge. Come on, Giants. Let's go. 
Well, Dean, that's all we have time for this week. Again, it's always a bloody pleasure. It was a great show. Loved it. Same time, same place next week. Yes. So if you missed it or you want to listen to all of this magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website. It's all clear. Mother. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.